This is Thomas DePoe. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. Today is the 1st of January, which means that the winners of the Shotgun Scenario Contest have been announced. We'll put a link to that announcement in the episode description. But in the meantime, here is a segment we recorded a few weeks ago about our favorites among the 2019 Shotgun Scenario entries. So we you know we just wrapped up the uh, 2019, I guess DGML, but really just the shotgun scenario contest. Uh, and we want to talk about some of the ones we liked and some of the ones that we uh, we wrote or submitted. So I think uh, it's it's still the mailing list that's just not on Yahoo. They moved it yeah. to some other mailing list website. The, so. the Fairfield Project. Uh, we, should, we should mention as last year for the for context listeners um we are recording this before the results have been released but after we've all voted so we don't know who's won yet at the time that we're recording this but you do so you have the benefit of 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 uh, foresight in this situation so do you guys want to talk about some entries now yeah uh listeners the way we're going to do it is we're going to start with the ones that we ourselves voted on which for many of us was also the ones that we wrote i think in specifically in max's case that list is the same, but <laughs> most of us didn't write like 50 scenarios. Yep. A full straight melon bread ticket. And also you can finish the joke. Or should I? And also I voted for all my own scenarios. There you go. There's uh, is that, that West wing uh, bit where they're, they're memeing on Josh Lyman. Well, where uh, the lady's like, uh, yeah, I, oh, I, I, voted. God, I love that bit. <laughs> where she says, Oh yeah. I, I, voted a strip. I checked all the boxes. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You voted for everyone except Bartlett. Well, if we go in reverse alphabetical order, you will be first. Would you like the yeah, that honor? I will be first. Get out. <laughs> nice. No, no, we take it back. We fucking, you lost your rights now. <laughs> Damn it. All right, so I wrote a scenario for this contest called Gulf of Time, and then I also submitted it. I will say that I got two of the exact same pieces of feedback while playtesting it, and I uh, I just should have taken the time to, re- to incorporate it because it's solid feedback and will make the scenario better. I probably will do that in like a V2. Give us a brief synopsis. So, Gulf of Time is a scenario takes place in the in Lady Gulf, where you end up. Uh, there's a temp- temporal anomaly. You end up getting sucked back in time to the Battle of Lady Gulf and have to try to solve the problem and get back to the future. Ah, uh, you said the thing. Yeah, the biggest piece of uh, advice I got was just to. It, it starts out with like a boat ride to the site, and uh, it should really just start when the agents go into the water. Because the boat ride is is fluff, but uh, otherwise I ran it. I did run it once and had a pretty good reception there. Um, How did it end when you play tested? Uh, it did end with them making it back to the future, but it was it was on kind of a luck roll. Um, they were either going to get back to the future or they were going to end up. One of the one of the mechanics is if you when you disarm this when you disarm the thing, it can send you back to where it was armed. So they could have ended up on the Japanese ship uh, that fired it stuck there, which would have been great. Or the agents could just end end up stuck back in the past, which would be a pretty fun way to do like a an alternate scenario set of scenarios where you run a bunch of old World War II era, you know, Delta with, with like modern day agents. Well, and modern or, and like modern day knowledge, just being able to be like, like, hey, we know it's going to happen. It's this huge disaster. Marty Life on Mars. Mars, Life on Mars, Delta Green Edition. I t- yeah. take a boat ticket to the Antarctic. Yeah, no, we're going beyond the mountains of madness, lads. Got to get there before Nazis do. Anyway, I. I'm the one who suggested the title of this scenario to Kevin because 
and he thought that I was really good at titles, and obviously I was wrong, or he was wrong, because I think that I could have done better. But, uh, Kevin, your players seem to really have fun when I was listening to the playtest. Yeah, I mean, the, the real goal here is it's it's it should be fast, pretty fast-paced. You get up stuck in a time loop, so it should be very Groundhog Day-y in the fact that like they learn one clue and then get killed and restart you know, an hour before that. So it shouldn't bog down. It should just be a kind of a quick rapid fire, you know, gather the clues, solve the problem. And, you know, a couple hours later, the scenario is over. Uh, I do feel like a tiny bit like this is a scenario that was designed because Kevin thought something was cool. And the risk that you run with those scenarios, and I know because I've done scenarios like this, is that the players won't find it super engaging. Like they, people won't find like, here's the destroyer escort that fought like a battleship. They won't find that interesting. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, it was, I wrote it because I was, uh, heavily involved and heavily invested in reading about that he wrote it because time. he was heavily involved in the battle of lady gulf kevin is like 200 years such, old such a boomer he, Kevin's yeah, the time was back in time do you think 1943 ish was 200 years ago no but you've traveled back in time so many times that you're 200 years old oh, now true yeah uh yeah definitely that's why um that's why it's designed to be kind of quick and actiony so even if you don't care too much it's not uh it's not a, such a slog and you can embellish it with as much historical detail. You know, you can go full glancy, or you can just make it about trying to stop this time problem. Did anyone else vote for this scenario? Uh, I think I did. It looks like you yeah, did, yeah. yeah. And what, yeah. what persuaded you to vote for it? This scenario captures something I really liked about Observer Effect, which was the idea of having consecutive loops of a short period of time in which agents could hypothetically... Um, start kind of brute forcing interactions with, with NPCs and with, with elements of the scenario, right? You know what I mean? There was an old Star Trek FMV game, and stop me if I've talked about this one already, where you would go in the board cube, and uh, the, the theme of the game was that Q was like fucking with you behind the scenes, and he would keep resurrecting you and taking you back in time after you died. So that when you were in the board cube, the solution was to let the Borg upload you so that you could get all their command codes, die, restart, and then have all the command codes. That's meta. It's pretty genius. I was going to reference the classic Next Generation episode, Cause and Effect, um, which is also about a time loop. And fun bit of trivia predates Groundhog Day. Is that the one that starts out with them playing poker? Yes. Yeah, that's a great. The, yeah, the, it's the, the, the first act starts with them playing poker. And I know it starts with the Enterprise being destroyed. And then after the opening titles, then they're playing poker. And then each act of the, uh, the script starts with them playing poker in the Observation Lounge. And uh, according to, to Jonathan Frakes, this is the first episode he directed, uh, he looked at the script and he thought it was a joke. And he went to the, the, the writer and he's like, you guys are screwing with me. Right? It's, it's the same act five times. So the last thing I'll say about Golf of Time personally is that uh, it's probably not the best scenario I've written. It's not the worst scenario it's, I've written, but I probably will put it into a con game rotation just because it's fast and easy to pick up. So it, it's, it's solidly middle of the road for me. The loop being really short, like it's less than an hour, isn't it? Yeah, well, the actual time loop is about an hour of, of game time, but some of that is, some, yeah. and that's also t- tweakable by the head. It's, it's really it's less about the exact timing of it and more the uh, things that happen. You want enough time for someone yeah. to get some clues and then sink and then die. A lot can happen in an hour, yeah, and, and the loop but, uh, being that short helps keep the pace really, really tight. At least I think it would. So yeah, golf time. Does that take us back to the top of the loop with, uh, no pun intended, with... Um, with Will. Will, tell us about the first thing. I, well, yeah, tell us about God Under the Mountain. Okay, so I wrote The God Under the Mountain, an epic adventure, uh, in which there's a cave in BC that has prehistoric animals and shit in it. So the cave described is actually real. It doesn't have 
prehistoric animals and elder things, but there is actually a cave in Wells Great Provincial Park that just kind of appeared. Well, it didn't appear, but it wasn't known about until just last year. How That's you, true. How does the big old hole in the ground like that go so There's long not being discovered? Like than Can- people in Canada. Nobody looks for things. Canada is big, is how. Like it was actually not found until uh, 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 the until a guy doing a, a caribou head count by helicopter just happened to fly over top of it. Caribou head count is the name of my next Delta Green operation. So I, I do, I do want to say. I guess that's a better question. I was going to say I had one nitpick with it, but go ahead. What inspired me to write this was. As a small child, um, I went with my my parents and my sister to the Royal Tyrell Museum in Drumheller, which has a lot of really cool fossils and shit in it. And like, I, Max, I know you're into like dinosaurs and stuff. No, uh, no, 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 no. Dinosaurs, dinosaurs are small potatoes. Son. I'm after bigger fish, or rather, bigger arthropods. Well, then you would be uh, thrilled to hear about the Burgess Shale uh, exhibit at the Royal Terrell Museum. Now, I'm sure Box is not, the Green Box is not sponsored by the Royal Terrell Museum, but Royal Terrell Museum, if you're listening, give me a call. Get in touch. We can figure something out. I'm some, sponsored, by the, I'm some sponsored by the Cambrian fauna, or rather the Silurian fauna. Uh, Jake Alopterus is for sure paying me to say this. Anyway, um, the British Bird- Shale is this big formation of sandstone in the Canadian Rockies that has a whole bunch of... It's most of what we know about the, the Cambrian... Uh, period comes from the British shale fossils, and who else was around in the Lovecraft mythos in the Cambrian period? The Elder Things. So For I was those like, of hey. you who don't who don't know paleontology, the Cambrian period is where most is where life went from, like sing, single or two cell thick like mats of microbes to actual what we recognize today as animals. So yeah, that's what inspired me to write it was the sort of intersection of here's a really cool slash weird thing in the news, and also here's a thing about the the you know, pre pre human history of the earth that I happen to know, and I someone could probably accuse me of of being uh, too harping too much on on the elder things, the mountains of madness, because that's a thing that I do a lot. But I mean, I what, what whatever. There's not any. There's like one or two scenarios. No, um, nobody else ever does anything with it, so I don't care. <laughs> there's one in there from a couple years ago that I liked, but I like this one better. So what were you gonna say, Kevin? Uh, I mean, so when I read this, I I suspected it might have been yours, but I didn't know. So uh, the first thing I said, like in the scenario text, you offhandedly mentioned like, hey, if you want some background, just just read At the Mountains of Madness. It's like, oh, yeah, sure. Just read At the Mountains of Madness for some backstory for this. Kevin, yeah, okay, no, sure. Let's just look at the floor, the floor plan for the destroyer escort. And also hey, go, provided that I don't want to well, provide the Mountains of Madness. <laughs> yeah, he just put a link to the Wicca source. No, I, it's also I, not for a game based on HP Lovecraft stories. It's not a hard ask. That you'd be slightly familiar with an HP Lovecraft I, story. I know. If I, if I could just join in the, uh, the, the dunk on Kevin bandwagon here for a moment. I know, Kevin, that you it is a Herculean task to read anything about HP Lovecraft, but for most people that read and or most people that play and run this game, that's the thing that they've already done. But I'm gonna I, s- I do it is it is a fair criticism that you shouldn't have to read a big ass Lovecraft story to run a scenario, which is why I tried to write the scenario in such a way that everything you need to know, all the details you need from At the Mountains of Madness to run the scenario, they are in there. I, I yeah, I'll drop it. Uh, just be, if you, if the reader, if the handler wants additional details. The, uh, the other criticism I had, uh, and it just, cause it just feels, well, the other criticism I had, and maybe it's cause I haven't read At the Mountains of Madness. So maybe this is not canon, but that's garbage. Um, I feel like it would almost. I feel like the ending might be more satisfying if they could just ally the big 
old boomer that they find. Yeah, you can. It's right there. It yeah. says but it like, says you as can a, as a like servant, which is lame. No one's gonna. No player will do that. They should be able to find a way to be might. like, hey, you, you know, do all your experiments. We'll wake you up every now and then, and uh, we'll happily ever after. Well, the fact that the ending says another government has totally done this suggests it doesn't have a super onerous definition of mastery and servitude. That could be a thing you just explore in future sessions. True. Like, it's not constantly dominating the whole nation of Canada. It just occasionally calls you up and demands you do some weird favor for it. My one the elder com- thing as governor general. My one complaint is that the creature... This, I like this scenario. I think it's a cool dungeon crawl. I think that um, prehistoric creatures are cool. Anomalcaris is cool. The Anomalcaris is a big, scary boy. It's like a big shrimp that beats the shit out of you. Yeah. And uh, the thing that, that annoyed me a little bit was that... Um, you kind of fell back on like the line of it's so mysterious and intelligent that you couldn't even possibly tell what its goals are. It's like I need to put this thing in my snare. I need to have something for how to you know what does it do. Its goals aren't are I what I said was the goals are outside the scope of the scenario. I don't think they are. I think that they are important to me, especially if I'm going to pledge myself my undying servitude to the other things. Anyways, I like it. I like it. I think that it's um, fun. The one other thing I didn't see in there, and maybe I missed it, was that. You can't like find the bones of the dude who got kidnapped by the shrimp. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to put in a little nod in there about what happened to him, but I just I didn't have the word space for it. So it it is it is a mystery what happened. Anyone else? Which for... I regret, but yeah, I got you. Anyone else for uh, this one? Uh, this one was on my list to vote for. So you got my vote. Why did you vote for it? Um, I voted for it because it seemed like it was a really fun thing that encouraged people to like play with the dangerous stuff. Uh, and the fact that that's, you, that's them epic. You conveniently. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, and you came up with a way for the players to communicate with the monster, which makes it scarier because otherwise it's like, Oh man, that thing's fucking weird as hell. But then you talk to it and it's like, Hey, you're going to work for me now. It, it just seemed like, uh, it was more interactive and it doesn't have to necessarily end with the, uh, and Epic guys all drawing their guns and trying to blow this thing away because be the last thing they ever did. Fun bit of mechanical trivia: a Lee Enfield rifle has a pretty good chance of wounding an elder thing. Yeah, that's because uh, Lee and Enfield knew what the fuck they were doing. Aim for the eye stocks. Rule three hundred three, son. What? Rule three hundred. It's a reference to the film Breaker Morant, where uh, this guy's being tried as a war criminal for killing POWs, and he says, "Listen, I don't have time to deal with your bullshit out there on the veld. When I'm out there fighting war gorillas, I operate under Rule three hundred three. And when I killed those POWs, I was operating under Rule three hundred three. Three hundred three British is the caliber of the Enfield rifle." Well, speaking of not having time, uh, who's who's next? Tell us about who killed the case officer. Who yeah. killed the case officer is a scenario that I wrote. Officer. Uh, it was me. I did it. Uh, called it. Who killed the case officer is a snare that I wrote for this contest, and it's about a case officer from Delta Green who gets murdered, and you have to investigate who did it. And all the signs of the murder point to a local new religious movement of weird cultists, but in actuality, it was the dude's own Delta Green agents who fragged him because he killed one of their friends in a as, a, as like a, a precaution and you can find out that that they they staged the crime scene i i like it because it's a melon bread like circle of people claiming self-defense all the way down <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
you've got the case officer who's uh, claiming self-defense by killing the agents before they can kill him. And then you have the cell that works for him that sees it coming. So they kill him and claim self-defense. Then you wow, have the player character agents coming in and they're probably going to kill someone and claim self-defense. Yes. I, um, what I liked about this, uh, I talked about it last time we did just shotgun scenarios, but I think I should reiterate it. I appreciate when I can, I could pick in theory, I could pick up a shotgun scenario and run it really quick, quickly, you know, skim through and run it. Like as if I was having like fill in last minute at a con game or something. And what's nice about this is that you provided a bunch of rapid fire clues that just like give the handler a bunch of things that the players can figure out. So as they're wandering around the broom, checking for stuff, you can go, okay, here's a clue. Cut this one, cut this one. And it's really, really helpful. And I, I like that. Yeah, it seems like this year in particular, a lot of the shotgun scenarios are kind of a set of set pieces that move linearly. And I always figured that's just kind of the nature of the word restriction, that it's hard to build a really cohesive mystery uh, on such a short word count. But this is a really solid whodunit that kind of doesn't need a whole lot of words in order to set things up. I think I, I think it was one of yours. We'll get to it later, Max. But I think you also wrote my favorite set piece from this contest. But we'll save that for later. I think that you don't know what a set piece is, but we will also save that for later. We um, never, ever figured out what a set piece uh, is. Max, I have a question. Did you invent the drinking eye or is that ripped out of something else? Um, so the drinking eye, the name drinking eye is from a piece of music by a musician named Jack Stauber. But in terms of inserting it into Delta Green scenarios, that's all me. Yeah. I like well, it's not all me. We'll go. Collection. That was really cool. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that when we get to it. Um, I see that some people voted for this scenario, I think. Uh, I think you guys have pretty much already shared why you liked it. So uh, unless there's anything else, I can give like a couple details about putting it together and then we can move on i had a, I had a question mechanically um if uh if one of the brothers from the cult there is flipped does when they dream does the thing know that he's flipped or does it only work like is it not like that i think that he's been subverted for long enough that um if it hasn't done anything now it's probably not going to i don't i i, I think that it does have to have some knowledge of them because it knows when they've gone and killed somebody for it but it doesn't seem like it. If I either doesn't know or doesn't care that one of the guys is is working against the rest of the group. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Well, I like that the explanation is mundane. That is that is true. I, I always say that thing about the the best X Files episodes are the ones where nothing unnatural is going on. But one thing I really like is that uh, working group Rain Whispers plan hinges on the Delta Green agents that come to investigate them being exactly as gung ho murder hobo burn the wizards as they are because they have no experience with Delta Green like as a as a concept, they literally only know what they've been exposed to, which is right. someone who told them to, to to burn everyone and kill everything. It's sort of a commentary on uh, a certain type of Delta Green player, isn't it? Yeah, although I'll say this. Um, I think that me constantly complaining about this is working because ever since I, con- I started constantly bitching about how murder-happy the players are, I've, been, I've gotten less of it. So the system works. This is the so the, the system being uh, start a podcast, bitch about things you don't like, and then uh, people will stop doing them. Yeah, just like how um, I was going to think of, come up with a funny example of a podcast this, about a this subject is a that's still a problem. This podcast how I'm really poor and I'm going to bitch about it, and then by the end of the podcast, I'm going to have a lot of money. Nice. That's, that's, that's every other podcast. Are you Joel Osteen? Oh, nice. So thank you all for your kind words about this scenario. It is the one that I voted for first, and it is my own because I wrote it a straight melon bread ticket this year. It was very, not very heavily, but partially inspired by the video game called Disco Elysium because we haven't talked about it enough on the show because that is a video game also where you investigate a murder that is not what it seems. And I thought it would be cool to let the players use their visual calculus skill to reconstruct the crime scene and have uh, 
intuition and so on. Yeah, you provided a lot of clues there. So you're like, that's like the eight clue rule, but it works out well, I think. Yeah. The dozen clue rule. Well, but the the trick is that some of the clues are the ones that the that the guy that the people who are framing the cult intended you to find, and then some of them are clues that give you what's really going on. It's the so it's a mix clue of, disguised as a false clue, but it's actually a real clue. It's a mix of of chaff and actual useful knowledge, but they're all clues. They just don't all point in the same direction. I mean, I think that's that's probably what the extent of our ability to, to discuss this one. Unless anyone has anything else, Jake, tell us about Operation Killjoy. Right, so this is um, a scenario I wrote, and it is largely based on a comic I read recently called Bone Parish. Um, in fact, it's almost a one-for-one ripoff of it. I just changed the names of the drugs and of the people. Um, and I got a lot of feedback from people saying that it's basically just like an outline. And I thought it was clear the direction it was supposed to go in when I was writing it and before I submitted it, but uh, I guess I was wrong. I mean, don't feel bad. It's it's very oftentimes you write something, we all write something, and it's much more clear to us than it is to someone who has to run it or read it. So that's just. I think it was a cool setup. I just think that you should have trimmed some of the some of the fat and used that word count to write an executive summary. You know, I yeah. think I yeah. actually have some spare word count. Like I was like, oh, you know what? This is uh, I added tutor to the knife. This I'm just going to send it. But uh, yeah, maybe I should have put some more in. Maybe you knife too hard. Yeah. <laughs> I get the stuff. Less, knife. Knife. You know, Less you know, knife. You know when I say vomit all your words out and then cut aggressively? Maybe cut less aggressively. Not, not that aggressively. <laughs> anyway, there's like a timeline to follow, and I thought the timeline was pretty clear. And then um, I'm actually playtesting it right now, um, which is you know probably the opposite of what I should have done. Uh, submit it and then playtest, but uh, I'll clean I it up and put it out there. This is more and more what I'm thinking is the real. The real way you should play test a shotgun stereo is you give it to somebody else and let them run it. That's good. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to that. Yeah, <laughs> we I do, are. I do really appreciate having like a dramatis personae at the top because a lot of scenarios will list who the people are at the end, but then halfway through you're like, oh, it's and then you know Billy killed Miranda. You're like, fuck, I haven't learned who Miranda yeah, is. Yeah, you're like, yet. we haven't like, even been it. introduced to Miranda yet, and yeah, she's already so dead. At least this gives you all the players up top, which also means you can refer to it easily. So that's I appreciate that. I tried to use some of the stat blocks as uh, descriptive a little bit because I think like a motivation counts as like a stat block feature. And I put in the motivations some like ways you could decide like how the NPCs would act, which has been something we've uh, kind of been talking about over on the server a lot here recently, whether NPCs should have motivations or not. I think they should have, they don't necessarily have to have motivations like they get willpower back for fulfilling them, but they should have something on their character sheet that or descriptive text that tells the handler what they do. But um, it's pretty cool. I think that my favorite part of it is We need is to describe the what the scenario is because we didn't do that. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, like everything else, I've done this in reverse order. Yes. <laughs> Let's write the executive summary right now. Um, so everything about it is uh, reverse order now, apparently. So it's about um, oh. <laughs> a, uh, a local crime boss uh, dies, but then his daughter gets... Uh, tricked by a ghoul into becoming like one with the ghoul they start making an unnatural drug that allows you to experience the memories of the dead and um delta green's trying to stop it from spreading i, so, I really like this idea of of absorbing the memories of a dead person by snorting their ashes that's that's really good yeah yeah you can snort it um you can uh, take a little hit of the, the LSD blotter. You can do some MDMA, or you can just straight up ingest the ash, and uh, that's like the strongest one. Sprinkle a little on your um, food. 
I did like a knockoff version of it as well that like their competitors are trying to make uh, both in an effort to discredit them and try and figure it out for themselves. And uh, the secret ingredient for the drug is actually love. I'm sorry, what? The secret ingredient is love. It takes a bond point in order to make like a, a lot of a big dose of this. I missed that. That's great. Does it right there plain as day? The secret ingredient, Julie Levitt, using creating ashes, love and affection. Oh, it is right there. Damn. Yeah, yeah, I like know, that. Well, maybe it would be easier. Maybe you know how to run the scenario if you read it. Just uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. I got some criticism from somebody who apparently hasn't read it. Anyways, that's that's uh, the, one of my one of my entries, and I have having a lot of fun running it right now. I think this is a neat scenario. I just think it needs to be a scenario and not just a uh, collection of, of outlines. I have a problem of like trying to shoehorn full length scenarios into shotgun. So maybe yeah, we can do a that, bit about that. that. All, all of your all of your um, submissions this year would have benefited from a little scope narrowing because they're all they all have a lot of good stuff, but they have um, stuff that doesn't add that much and takes up word count that could have been used to make the rest of the thing more cohesive. End of the world of the end. And you're not the only one who has this problem because oh, I have some stuff. I have some stuff that does this as well, and we're going to talk about one later that also does it. We should do a segment on that. I think, like, um, yeah. how to make shotguns because I mean, two of us have won the shotgun contest on this podcast in the past. So clearly, you guys are doing something right that I'm not. Well, and we also we just talked about how a lot of times you might write something; it's easier for you to run it because you remember all the subtle things you were thinking about when you wrote it. But it's not as easy for like. So I bet you could run this. I bet if I ran the scenario and you ran the scenario side by side, yours would be better because you just have more knowledge like background knowledge and it'd probably be the opposite for something i wrote i think you probably want in in theory you probably want to try to get that to stop being like that you want to try to get rid of that that feeling but i disagree because because several of my submissions this year were made based on someone else running a document that i'd written and then revising it based on the way they ran it oh yeah no i mean i'm saying i think in your in writing a scenario at all you should strive to make it so that it's not coming out of your brain it's coming off of the off of the page yeah i agree with that yeah first that was what i was saying the first time i just said it really badly um what uh we got next tom uh uh, what is your what is the next item on your list uh my first place choice was who killed the case officer so should i just go on to my number two since we already talked about going to the second one big stick tom tell us about the scenario uh and why you chose it because it was it's a melon bread scenario but it was not in my top five uh, I could tell it was a Melonbird scenario. I had a very strong feeling about that. Uh, so the premise is that Delta Green's got this friendly who is a cryptozoologist who is a pretty eccentric, but he gets enough good hits once in a while that when he disappears, it's worth sending the players out to find out what happened to him. And uh, without getting too deep into it, it turns out that he found what he was looking for and it's not doing great things to him. Uh, it seems like a lot of scenarios this year were kind of about playing with the players' perceptions and kind of altering like their perception of the game world and their relationship to it. And I just kind of liked how this one did that, how it had a little bit more going on, but you could also see outside it, I guess. You could see how it was also affecting other people. I will say I really like the idea. The scenario kicks off with like a dead man switch. You know, the guy's got like an email that sends or sends an SOS out or whatever. And I know a lot of times people struggle. They might have a great scenario, but they never know how to like how to involve Delta Green. And Dead Man Switch is a great way to do that because it just it's an info dump, but it feels like feels legit, believable. 
Yeah, it's all immediately kind of gripping. Like, what was this guy onto that he needed a dead man switch? I played in this when it was play tested, and I think I enjoyed it. Uh, I think I enjoyed it, but I can't remember. No, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and if I recall correctly, mm, I had brought a character that I was apprehensive about bringing on because uh, he does a thing that sometimes works in scenarios, but sometimes doesn't, and that's like use the an unmanned uh, aerial surveillance system, the drone. And it actually helped us to kind of crack this one wide open. Yeah, the scenario ended very differently because you were there doing that, and for in a good way. Yeah, the main threat is that you you wandering around the ground. You might walk into these essentially, uh, it, you know, get, get areas of this gas like like it makes you forget things. So being able to fly over and not you know not interface with that is kind of like a it's like a speed run tactic. It's a sequence break, you know. I like the idea of being able to do sequence breaks um, where like the agents are walking around and then you just go to right so um you're back at the car covered in mud and they're like what what happened I mean, and then you'd be like i don't know you don't know what happened to you're just you're there and you say to you look yourself, at your watch it's been like three hours and you ask yourself well how, how, did, how, did, I get how did i get here yeah missing time is a good uh is a fun thing to 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 use to mess with players I like I like this as again as like a con or, or a shotgun scenario or as a con game because you can like if, if I was running like a long campaign with characters and people I was like super attached to I might want to pull punches but with like a bunch of pre jams a bunch of one offs you could totally do some really awesome stuff with missing time uh, and that'd be cool you'll never believe what you did while you were under the effects of this well yeah you know Billy's missing and Billy you're uh, you're covered in blood and your mouth tastes like iron That's weird you can't tell if your mouth is full of blood or pennies. Well, I'm glad you guys liked it. It wasn't on my the top of my list because I just didn't think it hit as hard as the other ones with regards to actually being like, you know, having some some real shit happening. But I'm glad that you found it, that it uh, landed home. And thank you. Max, tell us about another one of your scenarios that you... Um, it's not... I'm not the next one. All right, Will, do you want to introduce this one? Yeah, uh, my next one is uh, Une Nuit à l'Opéra, which is French for A Night at the Opera. In uh, Une Nuit à l'Opéra... Uh, you have three factions, essentially, of players. Uh, one faction is Delta Green, one faction is M-Epic, one faction is a sorcerer who's trying to flee to the Great White North. And he, the sorcerer is trying to escape uh, by going through the Haskell Free Library and Opera House, which is an opera house that exists precisely on the border between uh, the province of Quebec and the state of Vermont, I believe. Yeah, Derby Line and Stan Stanstead? I think so, yeah. So anyway, um, it's a pl- it's a very player driven scenario. Um, essentially, the handler just has to set things up and then let the players have at it. So Will and I wrote this one together. And I, I would say you did the lion's share of the work on this. Um, you contributed I, the characters and some other stuff. I think I mean, give you the idea in the opera that's house. How you, that's how you collaborate with Max. You you incept the idea into his head. He does all the heavy lifting. You touch it off at the end. I mean, that's why the Orn collection is so good. Yeah, I'm so uh this one basically the the thing that I thought of that that made this one pop in my head is that most countries won't extradite to places where the prisoner will face the death penalty and I thought wait that makes running away from Delta Green into Canada ideal because Delta Green's trying to fucking kill you so I'm epic was surely the better option. Also, you know, Canada doesn't have the death penalty. Exactly. So and they epic can't also like let's sorcerers work for them. M Epic is run by a sorcerer. Exactly. So when I play tested this, it went pretty well. Everyone said they had a lot of fun. The one thing that we that, that we found is that one I made one of the the wizard because you so 
everyone has a choice of characters, so you can choose what kind of Delta Green agent you want to be. You can choose what kind of MEP you want to be, and the wizard player gets to choose what kind of wizard they want to be. And I made the the wizard way too powerful. He had withering. He could spend his familiar's power to cast spells. It was pretty bullshit. So I I evened it out a little bit. I made some of the less exciting ones more fun. And then uh, one of the users on Night of the Opera. Uh, did a second play test, which also went pretty well, but which pissed the players off a lot more <laughs> because like, that's kind of, that's kind of the risk you run with PVP scenarios is that some people are super not into it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of my comments is I think you, if you, if you're going to run this, I want to be upfront. Like, Hey, this is a PVP style scenario. So if they know that going in, you know, they're good. The only real criticism I had about uh Unnuddle opera here is that, uh, about what, sorry, the scenario, uh, Unnuddle opera. Uh, not, a, not a lot of opera. <laughs> not a lot of opera. Unnut a la opera. Yeah. But it's kind of left to the players to find a conclusion. It's like if everybody just conquers down, then like nothing will happen. So you either need a handler who's going to like throw levers. So it would have been nice to see some more levers that they could throw, or you just trust the players will cause problems. And usually your players will cause problems on purpose. So that's so, Kevin, if you'll recall, one of the first scenarios you wrote for Delta Green was called The Cabin in the Woods, and it was like that. I mean, Spe- yeah. Speaking of cabins in the woods, uh, some of the most useful feedback that I think that I get that I got from the scenario was uh, some players and the other handler who ran it didn't realize that one, the Haskell Opera House is a real place, and two, it's not in the middle of nowhere. It's actually in a fairly densely populated uh, suburban area. So I, in, I, I, I wish that I had added uh, a little link to the Wikipedia article on the Haskell Opera House. Somebody commented to me that they they would have liked to have a map of the Opera House. Again, it's a real place. Google it. Uh, so, no, no. What they meant is they wanted a map of the interior, which does not exist to my knowledge. I was not able to find uh, one in this research oh, really? scenario. I thought yeah. there was one. No, I could only find a descriptive text of where the line is drawn in each of the rooms. So there's a reading room and there's an opera house, and both of those rooms have the border passed through them. Apparently, um, I did not know this when I wrote this scenario, but apparently the Haskell Opera House is actually a hot a hot spot for for smuggling. There's stories that you can read about people taking pist- uh, suitcases full of pistols through from the United States into Canada. So the last thing I want to say about the library itself is all the pictures online are, are just goofy idiots standing across the line as if they're original photo, but there's like yeah. a thousand of them. It's like, come on, yeah. find a better way. It's like all the people who take the Leaning Tower of Pizza photo. Uh, Come on, Kevin. If you went to the Haskell Opera House, you would do that too. Uh, if I was had that opportunity, I would one. I would not touch the Canadian side because it would <laughs> violently hurt me. I don't think you can get into sad. the Opera House without crossing the Canadian side. I'd find a way. <laughs> crawl, crawl under the window. No, yeah. he goes to the emergency exit. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. The, so the, the entrance is on the American side. So there's there's a standing exemption for Canadian citizens to to cross the border without going through customs as long as they go immediately back across the border when they're done. And then, yeah, on the well, Canadian side, the emergency illegal firearms first. And then yeah, they gotta pick up the illegal over. firearms yeah. for the bathroom first. Yeah, this is, no, this is this is neat. I think it's nice to have a PvP scenario in your back pocket. This would be fun to insert into like a if you have a steady campaign and that's getting kind of stale. Just run this as like a one-off with new characters, just to kind of shake it up a little bit. I like it. I'm gonna go on to my next one, which is called the Dream Merchants, which I really liked. The Dream Merchants is a scenario that I put together with just a. The, the original seed was, what if there was a moon beast that used an old-timey diner to pimp slaves from the Dreamlands? And I was like, that's that's all right. And I could have just written a whole scenario about that, and it would have been very compact and gruesome. But then I was like, all right, um, 
what if I took that and expanded it to a whole town? And then the more the more I was thinking about it, the more I was like, I really don't want to write up like a whole or normal town with just these one weird elements in it. So how about the town just comes out of the ether once once a year? Once every blue moon? Yeah. So one, once every, once a year when it gets super, super cold and the portal to the dreamland stabilizes, all this shit just comes into existence. But then I was thinking, all right, so who cares? It's just a town in the middle of nowhere. Why would people come there? Well, if you're a wizard or like a cultist or just a, a weird man who's addicted to dreamlands drugs and this portal opens up and all these guys come through with all the shit they're trying to sell, you got to get up there and you only got a week to do it. So, and then like what are you going to say? Yeah, it's Burning Man, but for, for fucked up wizards. And where are you going to stay? We'll need a hotel. So who's going to run the hotel? Well, how about some refugees from, from Sarnath after it was destroyed by Bokrug, who came to the real world and then got work in a laundromat, but once every year goes back to this place in the North Main Woods to live out their dream of marble columns and a snowy frozen city across the river lit by the hideously winking pole star. But the uh, the one thing I'll say before I turn it over to the crowd is that this is one where I put together the thing and then I put the um, the scenario seeds in last because I was more interested in giving people some fun stuff to play with than telling them how to approach it. The scenario seed I ended up going with is that someone phones Delta Green and says, this place is fucked up, you should investigate it. But there's no evidence of them ever being there by the time you get there. And then you have to figure out what happened to them and why they called you. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, this is like my favorite set piece you wrote for the contest. Um, Kevin, it's, it's not a, a. It's it is. It's a, not a tightly written piece. single piece of mechanics, and therefore, it's not a set piece. Uh, but it, it, it is an encounter. This is a really good thing you could drop into uh, into anything else or build a really cool scenario around. You, you so you give us you set that up like really well. I do have to take points off for your use of the fucking term dull toll. Is meme in jokes not at the opera should die in scenario writing, but that Kevin, it wasn't an inside joke until you said it was. That that dole that exacts a fee for passage through the portal is not doing it because he's deeply concerned with your Discord inside jokes. He's doing it because he was made intelligent by eating magical waste thrown into the pit where he lives by the inhabitants of the Dreamlands underworld, and now Father Dole Toll has to get his. He needs about tree fitty. He needs. You got to pay the dole toll if you want to get into this interdimensional hole. Are we? Are we just using the old dated memes now? Kevin, we were not using dated memes until you brought it up. Jake, is he going to use 5% of his power? That's not an old dated meme. That's a fresh meme. No, the shaggy 5% of his power meme is definitely old and busted now. I'm going to use the percent of its power meme on one of these uh, upcoming ones. Does anyone else have any stuff for the Dream Merchants? Because the most fun I I had with it was coming up with the lists of of wizards. I like that there's a name Epic Agent. Yeah, that was the hook I used when I ran the playtest, was that she had called Delta Green saying, this is fucked up and I can't deal with it, please help me. And I, I think that um, killing her off was a mistake because I was going to play her. She's like pretends to be a super clueless tourist who's going to speak in like the, the Fargo accent. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, et cetera, and so on. I like, the idea, I like the idea that potentially some mundane people might wander through this horror show. Yeah, I like that too. You just, that'd be a good complication. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. about um, Operation Toothbrush. Oh, uh, yeah. this is my second entry. Um, I got the idea probably about six months ago when I first learned how to scuba dive. And I think you know how to scuba dive also, don't you, Kevin? Yes. So the the bends were fucking terrifying to me. And we went down pretty deep. And I experienced nitrogen narcosis as part of my training. And uh, that was awesome. Good shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And I was like, oh, I want to put this in a scenario, but how do I make, you know, how do I make it scary? So then I was like, well, uh, another way to get it is if you uh, you go back under without spending enough time on the surface for too long. Well, who wants to go back under that fast without being safe? So anyways, you can hide underwater from the effects of the uh, the magic machine that's making everybody really angry. Oh, I guess I should probably summarize it. Um, it's a thing where you start off as non-Delta Green agents, and if you survive, you may become a Delta Green agent, but you're probably not going to survive. Uh, so it's kind of like uh, Iconoclast in that way that uh, you start off playing people who are doomed from the start. And who are wearing recording devices? Yeah, a couple of them uh, were have did have uh, some GoPros and other recording devices. So that might be possible for you know after all the after all the bad stuff ends and everyone's dead in the town for Delta Green to come back through um, and have to cover up you know a couple dozen people's deaths and all the destruction and the burned down town and stuff. And I thought that might be like a a fun thing for someone to do after this. It's a two parter, but I only wrote the first part. I think my so in the scenario there's this there's this telling house resonator that makes people angry. Uh almost like the 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 things from the first Kingsman movie. Uh, where everybody everybody goes crazy for I, might I might surprise of. you, but I haven't seen it. Um it's like the like thing it. from Condemned Criminal Origins. Not Condemned Criminal Origins, um uh what's the other one? The one where the one where you you go around and there's like the bells that make the homeless people crazy and they attack you. Uh not the not maybe it is Condemned Criminal Origins. I'm thinking of the suffering. Condemned Criminal Origins. You fight people, but um, I was going to say that it's it's like the bell, it's like the thing, the crystal from uh, Poker Night, which I like a lot better than Tilling Gastros, and so it's a good job. So you have all these angry uh, animals, like you know, ornery alligators and and hazard like bears and stuff, and then all these people who are like murderous and and super angry, and then you have all these like unnatural entities that I feel like I don't, I would have just, I would delete them all and add. Yeah, I think you don't need those. Um, just they don't. They don't I, I put them in because it's a side effect of tilling gas radiation. Is that it affects your pineal gland, and then you start seeing things that you didn't see before, or that you hadn't seen before. I think what you have That's is there. more interesting, though. I think that the the neighbors being super paranoid and stuff, I think is great, and it's more interesting than here's a monster that sucks your blood. And this is what I was talking about earlier when I said um, that your snares are good, but they have stuff that you could trim and then use to uh, like create more streamlined focused content so i like this one uh one thing i regret not adding in would be an airboat because that's the best part of the movie from which i got the namesake from when the water boy's mama uh brings him uh to the stadium on an airboat an airboat so the mud dogs can win the boy bimble i thought you based it on like hard target or something because that's a movie about the bayou no it's a adam sandler movie from the 90s called the water boy uh, there's Never a line where he says uh, alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush, and it's not because of their medulla oblongata. Anyone else for I mean, Operation Toothbrush? I got some serious Subnautica vibes from this, but with the diving and the rules for decompression sickness and uh, the the weird Tillinghast monsters. That's really cool. I like Subnautica. Y'all should play that. That's a fun game. Have you seen the speed run for it? Uh. No, but I can imagine how it's done. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about about speedruns at some point in an after show. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, But yeah, no, this is is cool. Most of what I know about decompression sickness is in the context of like space travel, but yeah, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, Kevin helped me design those mechanics because I was like, uh, man, it's it's terrifying. It's horrible to think about. Help me put it into you know game mechanics, and I think it's pretty good. Who's next? Talk about uh, 
private decapitation, Tom. This is also one of the ones I would I I would have on my list. Yeah, let's let's decap decapitalize ourselves and face to private. So <laughs> private decapitation is one where Delta Green have to be total squares and they're trying to shut down this awesome metal band as it's going on tour because one of its special edition records has a remix track that is summoning winged horrors to come literally steal your head off your shoulders when you listen to it. Great metal! <laughs> so this I mean, fucking metal. This sounds like the world's dumbest scenario when you hear about it. It's like, that's just uh, like, it sounds like the world's most awesome scenario. Yeah, but it's so it dumb. Yeah, awesome. not to be contradictory, but it's very metal. <laughs> but it looks like it works really well and you could also you could make this like funny we could also make this really dark and grim and like so solid. dark and what you call it you say was it dark and brutal well very very cult. so for those of you who are not in the know this scenario is based on a cartoon show from adult swim called metalocalypse which is awesome uh for those of you not familiar with metalocalypse basically imagine if it was like spinal tap but for death metal and super violent and this scenario does a great job of translating that into Delta Green, and I'm not just saying that because I literally helped the dude uh, with his um, editing the scenario. It just appeals to me in the same way that I think it was Bloodline Miami appealed to me last year, and I was just so over the top and crazy. But in a shotgun scenario, I want that. I want something that's really direct and fun rather than something that I guess is really adherent to whatever tone I have in mind for Delta Green. Yeah, we're going to get to that when we get to your, the next item on your list because I, um, I, I have mixed feelings about it for the exact same reason. Um, for this one, I'll also say that uh, I had a lot of fun during the playtest. I was playing, it's funny because this, this scenario, you know, knockoff of media property, the character I was playing was a knockoff of a different media property. And so uh, he spent the entire, um, basically the entire session just starting starting fights at the concert and like trying to get people to riot so that law enforcement intervene. And then he went and beat up some of the clocketeers and took their stuff from the bus. So awesome. a pretty Metalocalypse type character. I feel like it, it would one of the weaknesses of it is that you could just like wave your law enforcement powers around and get it shut down. Yeah. Unless, so one, but they included some places that where you couldn't, where, you could, where they would try to get around that. So one thing that um did, did kind of was tough to translate, I think, based on talking to the author, was that in the universe of um, Metalocalypse, Death Clock doesn't have to follow the law. They can just do whatever they want because they're like the world's fifth largest economy, and they live on like a flying aircraft carrier that they have all this bullshit. Uh, they have a private army and stuff, and it doesn't really work in Delta Green, so they kind of, uh, you know, you kind of have to tone it down a little bit. And then uh, they, the one, one of the characters in the show that got transited over here is the band's like manager slash, you know, accountant slash whatever, who's you know like a, a scary legendary badass. And we're lucky that when we played the scenario, he only used like five percent of his power, because otherwise we'd been really in trouble. I can see it just because like they're a rock band; they're not really going to pay attention to the law. They're kind of. They're kind of going to enjoy getting in that sort of conflict. So if you yeah, get up and they face your badge, yeah, they're just going to meet you face to face. Or and I, I mean, one of the things you could do is make it so that, or you could just say that, yeah, they get fucked with by law all the time, so they have a good lawyer, and their lawyer slash manager comes out and it's like, all right, well, let's. Uh, you know, this badge doesn't look like it's from this jurisdiction. Who are you with? And like, you know, there's ways to push back on getting badged, and they could just be savvy enough to push back on that. Remember the time that Lamb of God killed someone at a concert in like Poland or something? Uh, Czech I don't. Republic. 
Oh, it's my favorite. Uh, my, Check my this favorite republic. Battle. And uh, Check these they, digits. Pushed, they pushed a guy off the stage. The the I think the lead singer did. They pushed the guy off the stage, and he got trampled to death underneath the crowd, and they tried to arrest him for manslaughter. That's pretty brutal. That's be contradictory, but it's very metal. I was at a show um, where it wasn't metal enough, so the band began to throw cinder blocks into the pit. That was pretty baller. Did you throw them back? Uh, they got they got smashed up pretty quick. <laughs> no, like it was like fuck these cinder blocks, like go metal on them and punch the crap out of the cinder blocks. No, don't take it out of the cinder block. The cinder block is innocent in all this. Well, everyone in the pit is innocent in all this. That's what makes the pit amazing. That's why you throw the cinder blocks back at the person who threw them. You know, I wanted to chat. I want to talk about uh, one that I. I skimmed over the first couple of times, then I realized it wasn't on anyone else's list. So I'm gonna I threw it on my list last minute, but uh, but absolute rarity is that the one with the Kickstarter? Yeah, it's basically the one where this uh, this nerd online is selling, trying to sell off a, like a Necronomicon uh, on a in a PDF, uh, and it causes some problems. What's interesting is that no one, none of us voted for it, but it we all reviewed it quite highly. I mean, I have one, I have one strong dislike, but I have several things I liked about it. So yeah. Um, and I think Melanie, it looks like you agree, but there's they had a they have a cowboy team, and I would just cut that entirely because what I like about the scenario is that, that all the people in it are just way out of their depth. So like when Delta Green, you know, comes in and is like doing their hardcore investigating, you realize really quickly that these guys are all just like regular people trying to make a buck and like not like not mythos cult leaders. So you just can't fire them. Sort of when you have to like kind of sort out what's actually going on and figure it out, which is kind of a neat challenge. But if you throw cowboys into it, all of a sudden it becomes firearms again. So cut them for sure. It yeah. really reminds me of, uh, this, is, this is the crowdfunding one, right? The yeah, it's absolute a, rarity. Okay. That's funds. funny. Cause like, uh, when I like read about one of the characters in it, it reminded me of like Caleb Stokes. And then there's another one on the list called better angels. And I think Caleb Stokes wrote a bunch of stuff for better angels, but, um, the whole, fact it, it the whole scenario felt like they were a bunch of people from like a coen brothers movie i think it reminds yeah, me of like yeah. burn burn after reading a lot i think, I think that they, incompetent villains are better go ahead tom no i was just gonna say they name drop uh burn after reading in one of the complications so there's like a bunch of amateur wizards who are I trying think, to get their I think the book my, my guess is that this one is written by ross payton i know who wrote this one okay i talked to him about it, it is not it is by not ross time, payton by the time this is episode is released it will be okay uh this was obtuse Oh, oh it, okay. this one was obtuse, and so was Better Angels. Interesting. Um, I also I I like when when you can mash tech with the mythos because it creates some interesting things that like you know the elder things of a million years ago couldn't have figured out like what a USB drive was. Uh, so like it's just a neat mashing up tech with mythos is something I like in general. All the elder technology was based on rocks. Okay. Yeah. It had Grug, Grug, pain going from analog to digital. Grug put USB rock in glowing skin. Yeah, because the thing about that is you can put the USB drive in one way and it's the wrong way. Then you can flip it over and it'd still be the wrong way. <laughs> and then you flip it over again and it's the right way because it exists in five spatial dimensions. Yeah, they put fucking pen, it's like a pentag- pentagon. So it's other things are in fact the only ones who can figure out USB drives. No, it's it's um. I was gonna do a thing about radial symmetry, but we already went after the Cambrian fauna today. I also really like notes the handlers along the lines of one of the things they say is like there's a you can get an investigation try to find the guy's address but it also says hey if you're running this short on time or like want to make it quicker just give the address up front so i appreciate when there's some little tips for handlers in a shotgun scenario because it makes it a little more runnable to me i like that they thought ahead and they planned for all the like the most likely courses of action that a delta green agent's going to take in this uh, they really covered their bases on that front 
Yeah, good scenario overall. I definitely agree that having an elite group of badasses burst in and start rolling firearms is not um, super fun, but have, but now you have me on record saying that, so you can roast me when we get back to my next entry. Uh-huh. Anyway, any anyone else for this one? I like how it's the reverse of that other scenario where the agents go and investigate this like this this like rock musician who has some mythos adjacent stuff in his lyrics, but is actually just a regular dude and is tired of being constantly harassed by federal agents because he was a, he was a, a rapper. Yeah, a rapper. That's right. Yeah, straight out of Crompton, and, and, and it's, um, it's some kind of like Delta Green hazing ritual or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like a hazing room about profiling. Yeah, because because the dude is the Black Pharaoh, and like he's not saying yeah, he's, that's right, that's he's right. just he's just he is the Pharaoh who is black. Yeah. See, I, and, I like how this is like the reverse of that scenario. Or will tell us about Friend of the Devil. Okay, so Friend of the Devil is how to summarize. It's like the opening. Well, you for, don't want me or Max to do it. it. It's like the opening scene for Cabin in the Woods, where the the teens go to that really creepy uh, gas station, and they meet a really creepy guy, and the really creepy guy is creepy. Yeah, did you write this or no? No, I didn't I, write this. I didn't. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's a pretty good summary. There's nothing overtly mythos about it. It's just kind of creepy, and I kind of like that for reasons that are difficult to articulate. I like it. It's just a weird thing that you could run this as just a weird thing that happens to your to your agents on the way to somewhere else, but it's more detailed than just that PC plugin because there's just like a this it's it's detailed. You could just like all you need to do is plug this in and then just go there's a lot of atmosphere and almost no gameplay yeah which which i which is the thing i liked about night floor i would would like this i would like if someone took this and chopped off the second half which i don't like very much and replaced it with a scenario for our one of our old night at the opera contests called i think it was wrong place wrong time the one about the skinwalkers and the owls the gas station oh yeah yeah Yeah, I i think that one was cool but suffered from like a lack of what this scenario has in spades which is the setting so just combine those and you've got a really good scenario. I thought this one was a little bit railroaded myself. Yeah, I know what Will is talking about. And I used to be really into the Jersey Devil when I was little. So I've got a bunch of little pieces of lore and imagery I could use for this. I just Hell think yeah. that once you get to the gas station, it's kind of it does some things that we don't really like, or at least that feel kind of amateurish i would say in terms of motivating the agents there's a specific part where an npc points a gun at you and says do what i say and the scenario assumes you do what he says when you're a federal law enforcement agent and a civilian <laughs> just pointed a gun at you i was <laughs> gonna say i was reading that part and i was just thinking how would melon bread play this well he would yeah. not, he would initially Blam. agree and then walk out to the car and now that he's behind cover he would turn around and <laughs> fire at the eight at the guy I mean, that's what any competent law enforcement officer would do because this man is <laughs> Threatening you with violence, and he's got to go. Oh, just wait one sec. There's something in the trunk I got to get. Yeah, and it feels like even when you get to the end, like the guy's like, "Well, good job going to that gas station, I guess." And here's a here's a free deal. Like, I don't feel like you don't do anything. It needs a bit more. The deal could be cooler. Interesting. Yeah. Like it could be like it's not defined very well. Isn't it just like you can call me anytime or something like that? It'd be cool if yeah, it's, really it's, it's, it's like, like sacrifice or something. the devil. So like, you know, they're notorious for using the law and loopholes to like get out of it. They get something from your end without getting anything that they have to do. So maybe that, that could have been cool to see like a little word again about like how to, how to monkey's paw this. I mean, I think this would be better off with as like a, like, Hey, here's a bunch of cool Jersey devil lore. And here's how to work it into your, games and here's some neat because all the different things that like the devil is a neat idea like titan's a neat idea but it doesn't work as a scenario um mainly i think there's 
There's too many places for the agents to just stop engaging. I also think there's kind of a weird break where it basically says one of the players is going to have to the, go to the bathroom, and then the GM's narration is going to follow that player in the bathroom and going to keep its attention there. And then when we come back, all the four players have just been sitting there playing with a dog who suddenly appeared, and nobody's going to ask, like, wait, when did this happen? How did this get here? This is not my beautiful dog. I was going to do another song meme. I was going to say when we did Absolute Rarity, we should have introduced like shotguns imprisoning me, all that I see, Absolute Rarity. Rah, rah, rah. Nice. That was Friend of the Devil. Yeah. Uh, anybody else got anything with that one? No. Uh, Max, tell us about Wives of March. Uh, Wives of March is a scenario that I wrote for. Uh, I wrote I wrote a pre a prototype version of it for the Tormson one page contest. The Tormson one page contest is a contest that Tormson made up where he where you write a one page scenario, you give it to him, and he play tests it, which is awesome because it means I get to do the easy part, which is writing, it, and he has to do the hard part, which is play testing it. Yeah. And it only takes one page, so it's even easier than writing shotgun scenarios. And I wrote one that said there are three. Uh, there are th- this, this is based on, on a scenario that I think Caleb Stokes wrote called The Wives of March. It's about something that I don't remember or care about, but apparently it's pretty good. And he wrote it for this game, for Delta Green or whatever we call it, Cthulhu. And he also wrote it for, I think, A Dirty World, which is like a, a, right. a hardcore, like, noir-esque one-roll ending game. He wrote a non-Mythos version originally for A Dirty World, and then he wrote a Mythos version that was systemless. I think he play-tested it in Trail of Cthulhu. Good shit. So the... Thing is, when I heard Wives of March, what I thought of is I thought of the Punisher comic where all the wives of the gangsters the Punisher has killed get together and form like a syndicate to get revenge on him. I was like, oh, just do that in Delta Green. Good arc. So I did it with, I did it, I wrote up this this whole like scenario where all the wives of March are going to get revenge on the uh, the trio of Delta Green agents who killed their husbands and so on. And then I, I wrote that and I gave it to Tormson. And when he ran it, he had the players be the wives. And uh-huh. it was like, wow, that was a, that's way better. Total subversion of what she. I really liked it as well. I play tested in that one. I was the one with the the worm. She stuck up her nose to get like her husband's skills. Yeah. Unfortunately, she only has one arm, so she can't shoot so good. Yeah, I think that uh, you guys and the advice Tormson came back. He, he's co. He's co. He's credited as a co-author on this one because a lot of it is notes that he wrote. You guys made it a lot better and made it worthy of submission to this contest as well. I had a lot of fun. It's it's there's not a whole lot of like content up front, but that's because it is very heavily driven on what the players do, and there's just enough in there for uh, a handler to to be able to pick it up and be like, you know, if this happens, then you should do this as a handler. It's another really good one along the same lines as Night de l'Opera, where you can run it like it's a closer. Kind of a, you can run it as kind of like a an intermission between a bunch of other serious games. Like, hey, you've been playing. This hardcore thing, you're chasing down the bad guys, you're five sessions in, let's take a little break and run this one, have some fun. Because uh, people like I feel like if you're engaged with the concept of Delta Green, this is a really fun scenario. Good for a con game, too. You Very did say, Kevin, and you're correct, this is one of the flaws of the scenario, that it... Um, it leans very heavily on the the setting lore. Not not like you need to know all of it for to to run it, but all of the backstories of the characters are very heavily drawn from because they because they're they're March Technologies goons that that uh, they were married to, are very heavily drawn from the old book like the Majestic Org chart, which a lot yeah. of people don't find engaging. A lot of people think that was the worst part of Old Delta Green. I, I don't think that, but I used to. I did think including included a character that has a magic spray bottle, but you didn't include like the whys behind it, which is on the character's normal sheet. So I don't think you'll see the same level of engagement you do with, the, with that character. Then I don't think you'll see the same level of engagement with that character that you normally do when that character is played because no one knows what the sprite bottle does. I 
Just probably, probably would have just cut that. That's all I'm saying. Which one are you referring to? The magic spray bottle. No, which character? That's remember. Mallory. The guy who's got the magic spray no. bottle. How many of them wait, are there? No, wait, this magic spray bottle. I don't. Which one is the that one that magic identifies spray bottle? Shoggoths? Is it? It's not. It's not one of the player characters, right, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. Working group beekeeper, one of those guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you're probably right about that. There was a lot of. I I just copied and pasted what Tormson wrote for that one because I did. I thought it was fine the way it was, and him having an idiosyncratic. This is this we're this is going to come up when we do one of the one of the ones in the future is whether whether really weird idiosyncratic things need to be explained or not. But I'm I'm sympathetic to the idea that they should either be explained or they should be given enough context so they can be interesting instead of just weird. I see what happened here because when I played in it, uh, working group beekeeper was a bunch of like Zoomer FBI agents, and I was like, Zoomers can't be FBI agents yet; they're too young. <laughs> and he was like, "What? What's the average age for an FBI guy?" And I was like, "In their 30s at least." So it looks like he made them older people that also had more Delta Green experience instead of like total newbies. Which is like a complete swing in the opposite direction. Anyone else for Wives of March? The average age is for new FBI agents is 23 to 37. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, he was making them out to be like they were just like in college or some shit. And you have to have a degree. Anyway, what's next? Um, Operation Dropout. Oh, that's uh, that's mine. Um, it's another... Uh, oh, no, really? It's yours? I couldn't tell with the uh, robust... Yeah. I unironically didn't realize it was yours. Oh, really? I, I pegged this for you. Uh, I, I know the line I pegged. I pegged this. I know which, the line in the one? scenario that pegged this is yours. Um, which one? Oh, you explain it. You know, find the line again. Okay, so I got this idea um, when I was at an army training exercise for almost a month out in the desert, uh, California. Um, they were uh, stress testing, you know, the, our battalion by like saying, all right, well, how are you going to communicate when all your comms are jammed? And then they like jammed all our comms. So we had to have like manual runners doing stuff. And I was like, wow, this is really inconvenient. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I basically, I wrote how a, inconvenient of the opposition to jam our comms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, everyone was just using their cell phones to communicate at that oh, point. That reminds anyways, me of, yeah. What, you've heard that story, haven't you, about, I don't remember what countries were involved, but there, but oh, one, is it the, the, one the one with the, used, with the motorcycle messengers and shit. No, I'm thinking of the one that used like Tinder to, uh, yeah, to locate. I remember, I remember this. It was either, Nor- it was either Nor- Norway or Sweden <laughs> where they, they, they were using um, Tinder to target fake artillery strikes. In yeah. Cause it tells you guy. how far away someone so they is. Found, so they like, were the triangulating of, of military reservists in the middle of the woods and then folk and then targeted the fake artillery strike they were they were uh they were triangulating the position because it tells you how far away the other person is from your location and And like like distance (laughs) proximity this is this is not totally fucking signals intelligence son yeah it's like how how like the seals keep getting tracked by their fitbits yeah they're uh bases that are supposed to be off the map but you can see the same course that they run every day so so there's a line in this scenario uh, that says, uh, you find a lost squad, a group of soldiers lost, seeking guidance, not an NCO in sight. When I read, not an NCO in sight, and pictured all these all these lost soldiers wandering around, I was like, yep, Jake wrote that. Where do we go? <laughs> all right, so, um, I still haven't explained it, though. There's a UFO that falls out of the sky, and uh, it's it's got a rodent problem, and the rodents uh, explode in electrical energy short circuits the ship and it also knocks out the communications for the the military exercise they crash land in the middle of did you write this one before or after you ran agents of the odd for us because i was um, heavily reminded i wrote this of it. one a long time ago 
So yeah, before... he showed me a very early draft of it, and it's much improved since that. I think that it's a cool scenario. I do think that uh, when I when I read it, my first thought was um, that you could probably remove the Electrovores and just have the Centipede Man be the monster because I think the Centipede Man is more interesting, and the Electrovores. Like, like you can you can explain the communications blackout by just saying the centipede man's ship exploded and it was made of magnesium or whatever, and you know fucked up the communications, and the electrovores you can take and just use again later because cut content is just tomorrow's breakfast. And the 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 other thing I would like to see is maybe a little more information about how the monster should behave because it's supposed to be it's supposed to be gaining intelligence every time it kills somebody, but I don't know how to run a creature that does that. So I would love some a little bit a few tips like oh if it eats. You I know, would also whatever. love a guide on how to run a creature more intelligent than myself because then I could bootstrap myself to infinite intelligence. You exactly, can, you, hey, can settle, settle you can cheat and do it. You can cheat and do it in real life. Like whenever a character comes up with a plan, you can say that the super intelligent thing would have already thought of that plan and had a contingency for it. Well, you can you can do it easier than that. Like just, or maybe not easier than that. Maybe it's maybe it's harder for you that you Jake, but it'd be like you know if it eats a grenadier, it gets this strategy, or if it eats like a you know a supply officer or whatever. I think I put that in there um, in the description of like what actions it'll take. It, it I say it it learns doctrine. I put that in there. So I'd like yeah, won't, but won't mo- walk the into person, an L-shaped ambush or anything. The like person that. playing the yeah. snare doesn't know that, dude. They don't. I don't know like advanced tactics. I you know Grug Grug throws oh, stick right. at So at if Mammoth. Will can ask people to read uh, the Mountains of Madness, I you guys can pick up a Ranger Handbook. No, I thought we verified that he can't do that though. <laughs> no, no, no. We verified that Will did nothing wrong. Is is what I recall. That's Doing what, nothing that's what exactly takeaway. what he did wrong. So, that was my takeaway from that conversation. So. I had a couple of notes. So before I realized who this was, I kind of, I, I'm going to read what I read about this because it was extreme of consciousness. Um, one, I said, you know, much like I did, I wrote a scenario about these aliens called derivatives. Um, I said, yeah, I appreciate an alien who's in here to murder us, murder us. And then I said, oh, apparently, as I read further, that's not the case. <laughs> He's <laughs> not there to murder you. He's there to fix his ship and leave. And if you try to interrupt fixing his ship, he's going to stop you from stopping him. I got pretty upset if I was trying to fix my car and some fucking grugs came out of the woods to try and murder me. That's not I mean, true. I would, the I alien much, is for sure the aggressor in that scenario. Yeah, because, I would much rather see him like like after he kills like say three people realize that hey these people can actually help that, now that I'm eating them because that's how he learns. Oh shit, these aren't like insignificant ants; they're intelligent creatures. Let's try to figure out how to get them to help me. That would be a fun. Okay, that's a fair criticism, and maybe he could like communicate with them or something because he can mimic their voice and shit. So yeah, and then you have the army trying to kill this thing, and the agents trying to be like, "Shit, if we can get the ship fixed, get him out of here." This is a pod. March Tech will love this. Uh, And then uh, you stole that pod from the same scenario I wrote there about the derivatives. I don't know what you're talking about because I have no recollection (laughs) of that. It has. It just has some of the very same characteristics. What what pod is this, Kevin? The pod, the derivatives, the lifeboat, the derivatives come down. Oh, you mean you invented anti-gravity technology? It is the way it's written. There isn't. There isn't. Kevin invented anti-gravity technology. Why are we doing a podcast? Why aren't we patenting that shit? Well, because uh, unfortunately we weren't able to demonstrate novelty because the derivatives. It was, it was a bit you derivative. Would cut us, you would cut us in, Kevin, because we could blackmail you with all the bad posts you've made. When, one, when I one, tested hey, this... One, name one bad post. Two. Uh, <laughs> the numerous times when oh, you... I, I can't name any good posts because you asked me to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. That was a superlicious communique, Jake. 
Um, um, I, so I, um, 1d10 plus 1 standard reward per life saved, I think is kind of insane. It's Yeah. Um, but no, I no, do, no, no, no. So I that's, do like, the plus 1 is like, like, it's the opposite of like kill an innocent. It's like, you know, you say, you get, if oh, you save, if you save a life. result up to a max uh, of 10. Okay. Well, that's not very clear. Right. Okay. Yeah. I guess I should put up to a max of 10 in there. Um, so the last thing is uh, one of the things you do is you force the agents to give up all their ammo because they're entering a war game. And I, I like that because it's for them to not be firearms happy. Yeah. I got article 15 because uh, they found a live round in his pocket or some shit like that at this training I went to. So I think super punitive. I think that's that's cool. But what if I have an agent who can just be like, "Yo, there's a genuine biohazard here. Fuck, fucking stop the war game. We're gonna send people with real guns in." Well, there's still soldiers that are out there lost because they can't receive that message because their comms don't work. Well, then I'll just tell them. Uh, They'll think that you're part of the op four. Well, then I'll fire my gun, which has real bullets, into a tree. How are guns gonna help contain a biohazard? I mean, the the, the have, have you not have you not heard about? Well, did you not see the episode of Chernobyl with the liquidators, where they contain the bio the the hazard using the guns? Oh, but those are not a biohazard; those are radiation hazards. Those are animals, and they're therefore biological, and therefore biohazards. That's not I what mean, those words mean. Will, <laughs> will, 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 will. I serve the Soviet Union. Serve this. Jake, I mean, the, I mean, you know this is just as well as I do, but the you know the 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 loophole in your scenario is that any war game would be terminated instantly as soon as there was a an incident like that, and then there there would be a, main, a means of communication beyond electric electric to deal with that, and it would all go back to like investigation. But if you just say I that, I think that you're giving happen, them too much credit, Kevin. I think it's you're a, giving military intelligence too much credit. Well, I mean, communication plans. Yeah, those, that's an oxymoron. Uh, communication plans are, are we have demonstrable evidence that, that is Kevin's area of expertise, seeing as he presents them for Gen Con. And it's worked numer- numerous times. It has indeed. Yeah, pace is a good fallback. Um, one it. thing I want to say about this is that when I playtested it on Night at the Opera, the scarier monster wasn't the hyper-intelligent one. It was the swarm of electrovores that was coming after the agents when they requisitioned a <laughs> helicopter. So the helicopter was in midair and the things were flying at them and they were having to, you know, basically I, I put like a clock up and I was like, in four rounds, these motherfuckers are going to reach this helicopter. So you got to kill them before then. That's extremely terrifying because helicopters are terrifying to begin with. Um, I, I do like the electrovores. I like how it's possible to kill them by overfeeding them. That's hilarious. Yeah, they get bigger and stronger as they absorb the kinetic energy, uh, the force of the impact in them. And they uh, they overeat. Whenever they absorb too much energy, they explode in an EMP, and that's how the ship crashed. Will Will you had a comment about my use of a hex map? Do you want to elaborate? Um, I don't know how I feel about there being a hex map. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel, but you're not asking me to make a map for you. Uh, would you like to make a map for me? I'm well, now. It feels like you don't want it. I thought the hex map was pretty good. Um, oh, it's good. I'm just like. Or you think ah. it's not fair? Is, is a no, I don't think it's not it? fair. Should I, should I have not... only used 500 words since I used a picture? Ooh, that's, and that's worth a thousand? That's a good meme. Um, uh, I don't know. I just I, I kind of feel weird about hex maps in my Delta Green. You know, I kind of feel like... Ugh. I mean, I think it might work better if you either made it a, a military grid reference system map or um, just made it a map with no... Look, I already got shit for uh, people trying to tell me that they won't look up how to do an L-shaped ambush or other basic military doctrine. I don't think that adding uh, navigation (laughs) is going to help there. 
like you could have made it a top on map. Like I can make you a top on map, and I can put it MGRS on it. I asked you to make me. In fact, hold on. Let me go back through our messages because I'm ninety percent certain I asked you to help me make a map, and you blew me off. This is not the first true. time Kevin has done this because when I was working on Mousetrap Green Teeth, I was like, "Yo, Kevin, help me out." And he was like, "Nah, fuck off. I don't want to deal with him." Jesse Twelve this scenario, and I was like, "All right, I'll ask uh, this other this other. I'll ask this fucking Navy dude." I don't think that's true either. I have textual so, um, evidence. Of this. Uh, oh, I, 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 I did have, I did actually have a nitpick about the scenario, Jake. Oh, was that Newtonian fluids? Yeah. What's What's weird about Newtonian gels? What's What's unnatural about that? Shouldn't exist. I mean, it's just that. water thing. That's a non-Newtonian gel. It's It's it absorbs like, kinetic impacts. You can walk through it just like I'm talking about in this scenario. It's something that you can walk through like just fine, but for some reason it's able to detect when it's like an impact thing that it needs to save that's, your that's life. That's literally what cornstarch and water does. You can't walk through cornstarch and water. Yes, you can. Not that easy. I'm saying it's like effortless in this. Like you can just walk. You can through. walk through it as easily as you can walk through water. Anyways, real sanity. Well, it shouldn't be. God that damn way. it! I'm gonna find you the video <laughs> of the guy with the tub full of stuff. He just like walks through and then he like runs across it, and it's amazing. It's like yeah, I made that at, at camp once. So you you, you have, but did you roll sanity? Yeah, I did. I was fucking. This shit shouldn't exist, and I set it on fire. <laughs> you really are lucky to double green, aren't you? All right, who is next? Uh, Tom, take home container. Yeah, that was my number four. Uh, so the premise of this one is it starts T- take out container. Sorry, oh, take out. I thought it was take home. I think it's take home container. Yeah. All right, well, Melon, you wrote to also talk about take out containers. That's when I was going back. Tom, Tom, tell us about take. Tell tell us about the container and where you're taking it. Uh, <laughs> the container is, I guess, a barn on the property. So it starts in media res, or at least it jump cuts from you getting the briefing to being on site uh, overlooking this murder scene where a person has been cut up and partially cannibalized. And you're sort of exploring this house where a couple of other agents came to investigate and then panicked and ran off. So that's your introduction. And then you, as you explore the house, you realize uh, whoever was here was doing some horrible things involving cannibalism. And it started to warp the structure of the house itself and a nearby structure. And one of the things that jumped out to me and I appreciate was that it's a little bit gross in the way a melon scenario is occasionally gross and that I enjoy. Uh, but I also think it's just like, it's a scenario that seems like it was written uh, from the ground up just to be kind of scary and disturbing. Not really like in a deep intellectual way, I think, but just really transgressive with a lot of kind of violent imagery. So be aware of that. But I also kind of appreciated the in the faceness of it and also some of the smaller details that were in a similar vein. A lot of the content in this made me think that it was written by someone who's involved in the OSR scene, and it turns out I was right. (laughs) So what I thought about this one is that it's like two or three pretty cool um, images and like encounters, but I cannot for the life of me understand the way that that they relate to one another. This is what I was talking about earlier when exactly. I said that there's a there's a debate about whether all the pieces should fit together. And I think in an investigative game like Delta Green, they absolutely should. But it seems like this one, it's more like there's a vague thematic connection between these three things, between the cannibalism, the weird meat butterfly on the floor that's like, yeah, I fucked it up. You know, I was trying to become a meat butterfly, but I couldn't do it. The videotape with the lady in it, and then the Maggot King. I think all four of those things are great, but I don't see the 
I can't trace the path between them. And if I'm going to give Jake shit for what I think are snares that are much more like the pieces are much more clearly related, I got to give this guy like demerits for putting put taking a lot of cool stuff, but not really putting us together a scenario about it. It seems like each of these four elements would be its own scenario, and one would lead to the other. However, I will I will say before I let other people talk that um, it is better to have too much fun stuff than not enough. So it's not really that bad to have like a lot of um, exciting things, even if they don't go from one to the next as precisely as I'd like. See, I think that's okay. When you're going for scary and disturbing, it's okay to have just a thematic link, something that looks like it fits together with something else, but it's not clear logically exactly how. So I think that really works for me is the fact that you can tell you can tell that one leads to the other leads to the other, but it's not logically clear how you get from point A to the very end. But is Delta Green supposed to be an investigative game or a horror game? Because this one's a horror uh, game, but I don't know that it's an investigative game. I've I am the guy I think who's the loudest next to Will saying it's horror first and then investigative on top of that. Yeah. Right there with you, though. In fact, I frequently leave loose ends in my scenarios. That's good. I like that. I think this one suffers, we talked about a little bit already, is I bet the person who wrote this could run it and connect everything really, really nicely. What he needs is someone to make an edit pass or someone who hasn't ran it or written it to run it and can, you know, make all the connections so that they're a little more fleshed out. Um, But all the, like, everything is really evocative and, like, really neat. And and, and I liked everything that was in there. It just, it would be tough to run, uh, which makes it, it's tough. And it feels like I'm curious if anything was left on the cutting room floor uh, and wasn't included in this in this write-up because I feel like there's stuff there that we're just missing. Maybe it was cut for content. Maybe it was cut for time. You know, or Several hands, or a pair of lungs. Yeah, exactly. My favorite single line from this year's contest is in this scenario, and it's on the section about the computer. It says, ye gods, that is a lot of porn. <laughs> That's pretty good, yeah. Out of context, What's shotgun scenario quotes. I think he stole that from uh, uh, Lover in the Ice. Oh, is that in there? It might, yeah, I think you're right. Because I, don't think, I don't think it's in there. I just think the, it's... The computer with the sticky stuff on the bottom of oh, it. Oh, it's in there. Uh, so what was what were the things that jumped out to you, Jake, as being like a product of the OSR? Uh, the outcomes list at the end, where it uh, lists like uh, just a couple of the different ways it would go down. Um where the stat block also aligned with the abilities of the monster, where it has the thing where it says sessile, doesn't move, not one bit, not ever. And then you look at its attack, it has a 5% chance to hit, but a 90% lethality. So that's kind of like reflective of like, wow, this thing is scary, but it's not really that uh, dangerous to us. Also, I don't, oh, there's a problem there. It doesn't have a, a sanity thing for seeing the monster. Yeah, you don't lose sand for seeing this thing. I think it's I think it's obviously an OSR thing, at least in retrospect, because it's a dungeon crawl. It's a yes. series of of interlinked encounters with cool monsters and strange puzzles, but there's not really like a, a mystery to be unraveled or cause and effect to be associated. It's here's a bunch of wacky shit and it's up to you to get through it and figure out a solution to this problem, ending with a, a boss fight. See, it kind of reminds me of like a certain stripe of indie horror game on Itch.io made by one person about 20 minutes long. Yeah, it's like a game jam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so that was pretty good. Uh, obligation fulfilled. I think I, I wanted to talk about this one anyway, so that's cool that uh, it was on your list. 
Because you know it? who wrote this one, don't you? I have we, we absolutely no idea what we're talking about. By the time this thing airs, we'll, they'll all be public, so we know who wrote it. Yep. Now, uh, who is next on the chopping block? Uh, you should tell us a little bit about Yomping, which I think is another one of your collaborative scenarios, right? This yeah, is another one-page scenario. Yes, this one started... Well, actually, it started out as, a, as an incomplete scenario by a dude named uh, Tetrarch, who wrote a, a one-page... Uh, sorry, not one-page. He wrote an unfinished scenario for a previous contest about a Pisces training operation that gets scuttled by bad weather, and then uh, the Pisces agents have to go chase down a bunch of SKPs from a... Uh, secret Pisces base slash mental hospital that gets destroyed in the storm. And he didn't finish it, but I thought it was a cool idea. So I took it and I, I slashed it down to one page. And instead of making it about um, Pisces, I made it about Section H, which is a fan organization from the Black Seal, which is a fan magazine that was published about Pisces a uh, long ass time ago. And this organization, Section H, is just archaeologists. They do archaeology for Pisces, and they don't know anything about Shans or special agents. They only sort of know about the paranormal. They think that they work for just regular old military intelligence, uh, MI5. And this, so the scenario that I wrote was based on this. For the one-page scenario, was you are some uh, Torms is one-page scenario contest. You are some some archaeologists. You went to this peninsula because you thought there was going to be something cool there, but it turned out to be just garbage. And you tried to go home, but then there's this. You got the, the weather turned into bullshit, and so you had to go the long way and see if you can escape back to the pub for a pint. And then Tormson ran it and did a pretty good job. I, I think that that from what I heard, it was a lot of fun for the players. And he wrote a bunch of really cool pregens that I incorporated in the scenario because I understand that not everyone wants to make uh, new characters for a new organization that they kind of know nothing about. And one of the things that I liked about Tormson is that he put a lot of personality into these characters. So the first three are his, and the last two are mine, based on kind of the um, the the cues he gave me. Although I think Tetrarch also came up with their names because they're originally from a different scenario that was also for Section H. Because I think Section H is cool. It has some problems with uh, interactivity with and kind of falling into the same trap over and over again. But we'll talk about that another time. Anyway, I had fun writing this one, and uh, I enjoyed working with both Thompson and Tetrarch, and. I think this. I think it's. I, I know that there have been double submissions before, but I don't know if there's ever been a triple one. So this might be edging up against what's allowed. Could be a could be a Delta Green shotgun scenario contest first. Well, I mean, yeah. And the thing is, I just submit stuff, and I don't really care if it like gets disqualified or whatever. Because the point isn't to win. The point is to get like other people to to read your stuff and give you feedback. Uh, Yomping moved my shortlist for the second half of of my ballot. It's 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 a really good scenario. It has a lot of character. I like how a lot of the text has like pseudo gaelic writing in it or is it welsh uh it's so i don't remember if the scottish language is gaelic or celtic but it is so the um a lot of that a lot of it's not is not actually um like maybe actually, it's just scots well so a lot of it's not actually a different language it's just slang like uh, yeah, mon, scots mon, is a dialect mon, mon celtic is short for come on celtics like the team Celtics, the football team, because they yeah. had a rivalry with the Rangers. That's that's right. That's right. Um, you guys have heard the story of the guy who tried to ram the Glasgow International Airport and it, like fucked it up. And then there was just a random guy on the side who yelled "Mon then" and charged them and kick and beat the shit out of them. Yeah. Yeah. The terrorist was on fire, and this dude walks up and kicks him in the balls. Yes. <laughs> Peak Scotland. Well, they said they tried to bring religious violence to Scotland. What the fuck do you think we've been doing here this whole time? <laughs> So the fun part of this scenario was coming up with diff with um, 
I, I tried to make the scenario so that the, there was stuff in it that was dangerous, but wouldn't just initiate combat and kill you immediately because you're playing an archaeologist, so you can't fight back as well as you'd like to. So there's a dangerous special forces dude, but he wants to take you hostage. There are the blue men of the Minch, which are like a legendary ocean creature, and they want to draft you into helping them kidnap somebody. And then the Pisces rescue team shows up, but they assume that you're escaped uh, inmates from the asylum because you're acting weird. So they try to capture you. I mean, if Section H is legit, wouldn't they have identification? Yeah, but here's the thing. All the dudes in the asylum are ex-Pisces. So being like, yo, I'm, yeah, an, you, I'm an agent. You wouldn't give the asylum inmates their like legit IDs back. Kevin, they've got magic. They might magic one into existence. They don't know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I like this because it's a good bottle scenario. Uh, you know, it's it's a neat little idea. It's something unique I haven't seen much of. Much of. Um, it's not a firearm scenario. That's also nice. Probably could get deadly really fast if you let it, but that's why you run it at a con. And if all the H guys die, then give them the containment team. Contain this. I remember when I played in this, and my least favorite part was my old guy getting stuck in the back of the meme car. Yeah, the, the Reliant Robin was a total 100%. Jake, how did the playtest end? I wasn't there for the ending. Um, my guy was hunkered down in the bar, and I didn't engage with the scenario like I think I should have, So, because I didn't understand what was going on. Couldn't, couldn't understand the dialect. No, it wasn't the dialect. I just, <laughs> it's like, I'm I was, fuck it. It was, it was like, uh, it was just a lot of stuff going on because uh, sometimes I think that there's like too many elements in things you write, Max. Like, uh, I think that was my complaint about Migo killed the radio star. And also from the dream merchants was that there was too many things that I would have to like cut out if I was ever going to run them. And I think this might have a similar issue there that it'd be, it's, it's partially in line with the thing Kevin's talked about earlier where, um, it makes sense like to the person that wrote it, but it might be hard for another person to pick up and run. It seems like you're writing a lot of kind of toolbox type scenarios these days, Melon, where there's a lot of stuff in there, but it isn't all necessarily meant to be used at once. So I, in, in the general case, I agree with you, but in this specific case, there's like three NPCs. You, you all seen the top gear bit with the Reliant Robin, right? Uh, so that's, that bit was bullshit because they, they specifically fucked with the Reliant Robin so that it would tip over more than necessary. Yeah, but it was funny. Accurate, no, it's not an accurate representation of uh, the second most popular fiberglass car to ever exist. I'm shocked at this revelation that uh, not everything you see on TV is 100% realistic. Are you telling me that, that Top Gear is not actually a documentary? I mean, yes. Maybe you should. Yeah, there you go. All right, somebody, real. somebody tell me about In the Shadow of the Valley. Oh, I will. I voted for it. Yeah, let's walk to the Shadow of the Valley. Uh, so this is one. Uh, remember how recently Delta Green had to put out errata about um, ICE not being the quiet organization that nobody ever pays attention <laughs> to anymore? Yeah. Uh, the person who wrote this, which I don't even know who it was, uh, capitalized on that and uh, did a rogue uh, former Delta Green agent outlaw uh, who is kidnapping uh immigrants and experimenting on them and the local sheriff isn't doing anything about it and it's up to uh your agents to put a stop to it so uh i like this one because uh we've complained about it on the show before that march technologies whenever you go to look into it you always get like the slap on the hand no don't do that Mm, largely because a lot of like the march tech stuff isn't written but uh, I voted for this one because it's a March Tech scenario that you can actually do something about. Yeah, like it's got a good, like a good central premise, and it it's kind of a 
ripped from the headline style, but which is nice. Um, yeah, I like anything that uses like the cowboy angle with in not a lazy way and it just does that. Um, and there's a bunch of little different investigation options, so the players can kind of piece things together and then decide what they're doing. So I thought it was neat. I like that the NPC uh, also presents the option to the player character agents to join him um, because that's because well, like he he's not all wrong. His methods are wrong, but like, he's not necessarily wrong. Yeah, I like uh, complicated adversaries like that, especially when they they give the players a chance to cross the floor. I really like that. I it's wish nice I- having an adversary that isn't just straight up okay like you know who the bad guy is here i wish you'd been a little less insane and evil then i think if you really wanted to make it a good moral dilemma you should not have had him kidnapping children to yes. torture in a secret lab well yeah. were, the trick uh, is always to make that an interesting moral decision because if you go too hard one way or the other then it's an easy choice and and the players don't even have any don't have any reservations about the choice one way or the other it's it's a very fine line to walk maybe maybe that's another way to do it then like the agents join him and they convince him hey don't do that there's a lot of attention right now on immigrant children why don't you pick a different you know set of test subjects just as like an alternative it's still awful but you know it's better than uh getting caught or what have you I think they should have made the guy less less of a monster if they if there was I don't I don't think the intention was to have players cooperate with him. So like, it's presented yeah. there as an option, but it, it costs Sand just to listen to him make that offer. I think that that if they wanted if they, that's what they really wanted, then 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 they should have made him a little less of a of a monster. Like because uh, because I because I, I like I like the whole like old majestic tried to make super soldiers with alien technology plot. I use that in a lot of my old scenarios and part like of part, yeah. I think that um, you know because one, one thing one thing about Abe is that uh, every time he killed a player character it was in self defense. Uh, never heard that one before. And, uh, <laughs> Thus, but, a legend was born. But part part of the whole thing about about um, about Abe was that he was made by someone who genuinely didn't expect him to last that long, and was surprised when he came back without of his with all of his superpower parts like wearing down because they weren't designed to last more than like a couple decades and saying to her, please help me. Like she was just kind of making shit because it was because she, she could and did, didn't ever occur to her that someone's life was actually very profoundly affected by her actions. Anyway, enough about me. The last thing that I have to say about shadow of the Valley is that, um, have you guys read the rainbow six novel? No. So I'm well versed in the Clancy verse. Uh, the plot of the Rainbow Six novel is that there's eco-terrorists that want to give super aids to everyone in the world to kill all the humans off so that the planet can live on. Um, and they go about perfecting the super virus by uh, kidnapping homeless people off the streets and putting them basically in a, a very nice prison with like lots of alcohol and uh, a lot of other stuff while they you know inject them with the thing and track how long it takes for them to kill them. Anyways, uh, they, they kidnap the vulnerable population for illegal scientific experimentation. And that's the premise for this scenario as well. And I, I like that. All right, Good shit. Somebody tell us about T-Site 2. So T-Site 2 is about, uh, I think it's, I think it starts off in the modern day. And one of Crawford Tillengast's old labs is about to be demolished. 
so the players are a couple of uh, Delta Green agents who are on site just to make sure nothing goes horribly wrong. It's supposed to be like a cakewalk. You're just there to pretend to be a suit. And of course, something goes horribly wrong where they start getting yanked backwards through time uh, first to like 2012 and 2010 and then millions of years in the past and then back to whenever Tillingast is doing his actual experiments. And it's just kind of a series of set pieces and encounters as you just kind of get yanked around through time. But I think the linearity is fine for a shotgun scenario. I think it could be a fun breakup of whatever else you're doing in your campaign. Yeah, it's uh, it's a neat setup. Um, obviously, you ripped from uh, an amazing scenario called Golf of Time. Um, I'm just gonna, it kind of hinges on a single clue at a time. God, why has can... no one ever done a scenario where you travel through time before? <laughs> yeah, I know. Such a rich, untapped vein. Yeah. You know, you know what would really be better if there was a bunch of cowboys trying to do it too and they were fighting you? That would be a really unique well, thing. No, I well, think it would be, be awesome. I think it would be time good. travel is just hideously lethal. It would be good if you could go With back no in time and fight warning. actual cowboys instead of all this bullshit Delta Green stuff. Like you go, you step out of the portal, and this other dude's like that. That there's some some Gildur and witchcraft, and I'm gonna discharge my six shooter in your general direction. So, so, cow- well, cowboys so the, and only, the only thing that that I, that I kind of didn't like about this, and it's a little silly, but I think if I was a player, I think it was total bullshit. One of the solutions is that you can like turn the res, go back into the field and turn the resonator back on. It'll collapse everything. But as written, it's a suicide mission. Someone has to do it. And I'd be like, fuck you. I'm a Delta Green agent. I'm going to find a way to turn this on. Like, I'll use a big stick. Like, I wouldn't, like, having a character die because of that, I think is kind of, kind of. So you're you're saying that you shouldn't have a portal that requires someone to be stranded on one side of it to turn it off? I'd like to have a word with you. Yeah. That rock was aimed squarely at you. Stand in that, in that uh, portal and we'll talk. I think I think this should have been a moss covered airhead scenario. I think you should. I think the grugs should have been just hanging out, <laughs> and then they get transported to the future, and you play as the grugs. And you that could, would be pretty good. Have to, I have to rolling. Said on this this show that a, someone should write a sequel adventure to Artifact Zero where grugs find the corpses of of the agents. So I mean, this, this is a natural lead in. Yeah, you worship the dead gods. Well, no. What it, what it's like is: Have you guys seen the film "The Gods Must Be Crazy"? No. Oh, yes. It's an old time comedy film from like the sixties or seventies, I think, about a uh, a bushman, like a, a it's like a Khoisan or whatever dude in South. I think it's like South Africa, maybe Botswana, one of those countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, where he he find he he finds like a, a Coke bottle in the uh, just in like the the desert, and he's like this is a strange object. Never seen anything like this before. Cause he's like an un- uncontacted guy. And so he takes it back to the, to his, to his family. And then everyone's like fighting over it. Cause they never seen an object. He's like, this is fucked up. I'm just going to take this thing and throw it off the edge of the world because it's clearly no good for anyone. And so then he, the, the part of the film is about his journey as he kind of has adventures. And then part of it's about like this, this, uh, you know, comically inept, uh, game, like wildlife studying man and this lady or whatever. But I was thinking that what's going to happen is that you are a member of Moss Covered Arrowhead and the tribe is, is fighting over a mysterious object that they found on a dead body. And you, it's your responsibility to take that object and dispose of it. Because it's, because it's clearly weird and unnatural and full of evil. Yeah. Well, I've always said that Moss Covered Arrowhead. First green box created. I've always said that Moss Covered yeah. Moss Cave, Moss Covered Moss Arrowhead cave. would would have clubbed like just like how Delta Green and uh, in, in a Delta Green scenario, whenever anyone discovers a new technology, it's always evil and always unnatural. 
Moscow and Arrowhead would have sure would have for sure clubbed the first Grog to death who invented fire. Also, Goddess Must Be Crazy, nineteen eighty. That's cool. When was the sequel? Because they they had one sequel uh, that 19, was good. Nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, actually, I, I, this is actually kind of funny. The producer uh, has labeled all the other knockoffs. They weren't done with his involvement, and he's labeled no, them they were un, just... he, he's labeled them ungodly fakes. Oh. I also stole um, I stole a line from that movie actually when I wrote um, the Robard family and later Home Fires. It's about a dude who keeps um, who's addicted to like sex with deep ones, so he keeps the deep ones keep feeding him like new uh, wives in order to keep him like quiet. So he'll give them intelligence from Delta Green, and the the title quote for that, which is from like the um, the like polygamist, he's like either Hindu or Sikh. Uh, like mechanic of the dude and he says anyone can marry them no one can tell you how to live with them there's not there's no relevance to the shotgun snare contest but if you expected us to stay on topic you probably wouldn't be watching our show by now watching so that's, so that's all but maybe they're staring at the soundcloud thing desperately waiting for the raven <laughs> fuck that gets me every time <laughs> fuck you that is so, a great reading of the raven now so that was the two money hunting shotgun scenarios any parting Parting shots. Do um, I have? I think I have one more that didn't get talked about that I wrote. Should I do it or should we just kill it here? I mean, it wasn't listed, but we can do it if you want. It's to. not listed. Be- it's not listed because I I voted for five and and I wrote about seven. Well, which one is it? It's uh, Operation Buscemi Skateboard. Oh, yeah, I had some harsh things to say about. I that. only uh, realized today what it? that title was a reference to <laughs> while I was at work. How do you? Do how did it? that make you feel, Will? I was distracted with anger. Sounds like a serious safety hazard was all right so this scenario is about delta green investigating uh, an incident of what appears to be supernatural child grooming where this child at a or there's someone they find like a, a symbol drawn in the in the bathroom on some kid's facebook page at the at the high school and the symbol is like associated with you know unnatural gang violence or whatever so they just have to investigate it and then they go to the you know, you go to investigate, and it, what's actually happening is there is a child who was separated from her birth parents because her birth parents were imprisoned by Delta Green for doing cultist shit. And now her birth parents are back, and they're terrified because, like, okay, our daughter doesn't know how to do sacrifices, so the gods are just going to kill her when she when she comes of age. So we need to teach her right away to start killing people because otherwise she's going to die. And so then she goes and and like gets one of the so in in the for those of those of you not in the united states this is a fun little piece of of language for you the police officer who acts as the security guard of the school in this country is called the school resource officer which when i told tormson about tormson's the guy i wrote this with tormson's like wow that's super orwellian but anyways um so she convinces the school the school resource officer to uh help her commit these increasing acts of brutality against the other students and cover it up and the secret is that is that the cultists are just kind of doing this because they were the, cult, the cultists who taught her all this stuff and believe that she's going to die. They just believe that because their parents taught them that. And the god that they worship actually died like a century ago, and they don't even know it. I do believe that you can you can prove that to them, and then they all just kind of like just kind of solves it with talking. Yeah, I like that. I think we've complained before about scenarios where performing the ritual is the way to successfully complete it, but I like that performing the ritual gets you another clue. It's not the solution in itself, but it really helps. I think that's that's a framework that I like of, of scenarios where yeah, it's not necessarily banish the monster, but you can get information from it's like it's like how uh, sometimes if you want to be like, oh I'm a I'm a super cool undercover cop and there's a hip new street drug, well there's a way to tell what it does to you. Very 21 Jump Street.
So real talk, when I wrote this scenario, um, it was for the one page scenario contest and it was very, it was a very different scenario back then. It um, was just, there, there was no detail on what the actual religion was that they were worshiping or like what the God was called. And Tormson read it and was like, oh, it's 21 Jump Street. And I still do not know what that is. So it's like, yeah, it's exactly that. Oh, really? The basic premise is about undercover cops who pose as students in a high school. That is absurd and probably the origin of the Buscemi skateboard meme in the first place. I don't think it's the origin of that clip, but it's it's probably riffing on it, yeah. It's like a movie from the 80s and then one from the early 2000s also. Yeah, it was a TV the, the, show the, the, in the 80s. two recent the 80s. movies are awesome. Like, they do a great job. They're okay. They were undercover cops in high school. Like stepbrother style humor. They were undercover cops in high school, school to, to try and like root out the narcotics trade among the students. But the yeah. thing is that all the other kids knew who they were because they're like, dude, you're like 22. They're like, oh, look <laughs> at this this new kid who just transferred in from another school and has facial hair. But there also were kids at our, at our school who were super seniors and super, super seniors. So it wasn't that like out of the out of the question that this guy could be too. But there was also a guy who everyone thought was an undercover cop, but I think he was just a normal dude, which was unfortunate for him because he was like, I just want to like hang out and just do normal kid shit. But people keep saying I'm a fucking narc and I genuinely don't understand why. He was in the school paper for it. Jesus. Most likely to be a narc in the yearbook. (laughs) You you identify the person you think is the narc and then you just start cyber uh, cyber bullying them or real life bullying. So this scenario underwent some serious revisions because the first one was just it was just very um, minimalistic. Then uh, I think uh, Tormson came after me with what he wrote, which he ran a playtest of, and I don't think he ever finished. And his playtest was based on that, like all this stuff is leading up to a serious ritual. And then I almost did a version of this where the actual ritual would be that the uh, students are mind controlled through the paranoia of the drinking eye into. Uh, all committing a mass shooting on the same day, and I'm allowed. To, I'm allowed to make scenarios about mass shootings because there were shootings at my high school when I was a kid. But um, was there really? They never told me about this. Uh, I mean, it's we we can do this in the after show. Um, but uh, that one ended up like being too unwieldy. There were too many mechanics for how the drinking eye worked because they were like drawing the symbol and it would cause people psychic trauma or whatever. But you know then the drinking eye would manifest in reality. And we were like, why don't, and, and then Tormson was like, why don't you make the school research instead of, instead of one, one of my ideas was to have an undercover cop as a narc. And Tormson was like, we need to simplify this. Instead of having it be that, why don't you make it the, um, like the, like the school security guard. And I was like, we call them school resource officers here. And he was like, yeah, how about he, um, he knocked up the like traumatized daughter of these, um, these wizards. And I was like, that's fucked up. Let's do it. And that was the genesis of this current version. The main thing I regret about this is that I've had a lot of people read it and say, oh, it's another scenario about killing kids. And I tried very hard to make there be an outcome that is not murdering a child. So that's my own fault for not being clear, because if, if several people read something and think something about it, that's a sign that I didn't do a good job. No, I read it, and I have like a super strong hatred of scenarios where it's like, hey, kill this kid and everything will be fine. And I didn't get that impression from this one, so... Yeah, I think it does seem like the thrust is supposed to be like even the girl's parents subconsciously are like we want to save her from this terrible existence. If you tell them that nothing's going to happen, they will absolutely stop what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I think I think if I did, but it's still like there's more than one person who I've, I've and and I think they brought it. They sort of brought it up because there's other scenarios this year that are also about um, children and violence against them. Yeah, a couple of them, and I just have one question, and that is why. Because for the same reason, edgy. 
for the same reason that um, the take takeout container has stuff that's weird and gross in it, because sometimes that is a or this or for the reason why both Glancy and myself put atrocities in scenarios that take place in different times and places. Kevin doesn't like doing Vietnam scenarios. I don't like doing things with violence against kids. I think that's so. that's completely fair. I think there's a lot of scenarios here that I probably wouldn't run, even if I didn't have, even if I knew that the players wouldn't have a huge objection to it. I do think it's kind of cheap, and it feeds into this larger problem that I have with both my own scenarios and other people's, where a lot of the times there's the snare just comes down to, oh, you have to kill somebody that you don't want to. Like that's the moral dilemma at the heart of last things last of metamorphosis. It's now the moral. It's the moral dilemma at the heart of the snare released this year called the moral dilemma, which I actually liked and in every way except that one. I think that that it suffers because that theme has been kind of that's some pretty well trod ground. Yeah, I I thought that one was callous and it didn't really add much to the scenario where it's like the three the three girls are tied up. All right, well. Does anyone have any? I, I, I like the I like a lot of stuff about that scenario. I like the um, the wizard informant who had the special wind chimes. I thought that was super cool. Uh, does anyone else have any other thoughts before we close out this bit? Oh, I think we've gone well. Uh, yeah, well, I, I we're good. Ended on a positive note and say that uh, we didn't have as many entries in the shotgun scenario contest this year, but I think overall, like uh, I enjoyed a lot of these more than I enjoyed like the. The mass, like it was like seventy of them last year. Um, I enjoyed reading them all. So yeah, I think the bar is a little higher this year. Which is this nice. is not intended as a slight against those of you who didn't enter, but entered last year, by the way, because I'm pretty sure Tom entered last year and I liked his. If not that, if not last year than the year before, definitely. But uh, to everyone that entered, good luck because. Well, I guess by the time this airs, by by this point, yeah, by this point, uh, congratulations to the winners, and we will we're we're gonna do like we did last year. We're gonna do a follow up um, shortly after the winners have been announced, where we discuss the winning entries. Yeah, very brief. It's gonna be really funny if the three winners are in this Discord. Uh, (laughs) Congratulations to the winners.